The Glory Center would like to welcome you to this podcast. We hope that this teaching will encourage and minister to you. And now, the message. Today, uh, we have the one and only Mr. Max, who's going to share for us. So, um, you know, Max and, and Kathy have a couple of few years. I, I'm terrible about time. Norval used to all the time. Norval, when he would be speaking, Brother Norval, he would say, he would say something like, "The other day," and I know for a fact what he's sharing is 20 years old. But to him, you know, and the older you get, I think time goes by faster, and it's like it feels like you know. So, so I, I'm not good at time or anything. But we've known Max and Kathy for at least a couple of few years, yeah. And you know, they, um, I could say a lot, and I've taken up enough of Max's time, but. Um, you know, you know, Max helps on our leadership team for, in, in a variety of capacities. Uh, Max and Kathy always, you know, willing to serve, willing to help, willing to do anything, like pretty much all of us here, all of you guys. And so very thankful for them. Um, and so, Max, why don't you come on up here? And, and so he's going to share whatever he wants to today. Before I start. Yes. Okay. You said something about um, God is the lover of our soul. Mm-hmm. And he loves Jordan's soul, mm-hmm. his mind and his will and his emotions. And he says that I would have you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. So if I may, yeah. I speak prosperity of health Jesus. to Jordan's soul, his mind and his will and his emotions. And Father, we give you this issue that has beset him. And we ask you to remove it, take care of him, and we speak to the enemy hands off. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo! Amen. Boy, I take that. Hallelujah. Thank you. I, I was thinking this morning on the way here, and I'm just going to give a, a, a verse here that it kind of puts me in the mind of Max. In 1 John 4, John said, Perfect love casts out all fear. And I just, the things I've, the the few things I know about Max's journey and the things God done in his life, I think Max and Kathy, and I know Max is the one sharing today, but uh, just, I feel like that's a verse of, you know, things you've shared, your relationship, father, this, that, the other, how you came to faith, just the things I know about Max, his background and uh, his journey into God's love and the grace of God and all that. I just think that's a great, I don't know, banner for Max and Kathy today. So if you guys would, put your, put your hands together and make Max feel welcome. Well, Jane apologized for taking time, but don't apologize. You're just going to have to sit longer. <laughs> so the first 33 years of my life, I lived, I was living in hell on earth. And that 33 years means something to me because that's the, that's the time that Jesus died for me. Now, uh, as I was thinking about what I was going to say to you guys, I, there's a song that illustrates how Jesus has taken me out of a hell on earth. And I'm going to sing it to you, but... I got a frog in my throat this morning, so don't expect Luciani Pavarotti, okay? 
Now, it's a popular song, and, uh, well, here goes. Listen to the word. <clears throat> I cried a tear. You wiped it dry. I was confused. You cleared my mind. I sold my soul. You bought it back for me and held me up and gave me dignity. Somehow you needed me. You gave me strength to stand alone again, to face the world out on my own again. You put me high upon a pedestal so high that I could almost see eternity. You needed me. You needed me. And I can't believe it's you. I can't believe it's true. I needed you. You were there. And I'll never leave. Why should I leave? I'd be a fool. Because I finally found someone who really cared. You held my hand when it was cold, when I was lost. You took me home. You gave me hope when I was at the end. You turned my lies back into truth again. You even called me friend. You gave me strength to stand alone again, to face the world out on my own again. You put me high upon a pedestal so high that I could almost see eternity. You needed me. You needed me. You wanted me. You wanted me. It's always refreshing. So uh, now Jordan has heard this before because I put it on tape and sent it to him. So if he falls asleep, Jack. Um, when I was first born, I evidently looked like my dad. My dad's name was Ferdinand Charles Schultz Jr. Jr. And my mother convinced him to name me after him. So I'm Ferdinand Charles Schultz III. Now, how do you call a little two-year-old Ferdinand? So they changed it to FC. Very impersonal. You know, it wasn't much better, really. 
But then I moved into a neighborhood and some lady mistook my mother's calling me and she thought it was Maxie. And so that's where that, everybody asked me how I got the name Maxie. So um, I'm in the car one day and I'm five years old and I must ask my mother a question. And uh, she told me that there was a man that died for my sin. And he hung on a tree. And he, he suffered for me. And at five years old, I knew what sin was. And uh, that's the day that, uh, that the Father introduced me to my Savior. Now, I got to know my Savior. How will they know? Unless they hear, how will they hear unless they're told? And how will they be told unless somebody sends them? So the father sent my mother to tell me. And he looked down at my mother and he said, uh, how beautiful are her feet. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. And uh, that's the day, I, I mean, I didn't have anything to do with it. He made himself known to me as my Savior. So, I'm in the fold, right? And uh, I'm, a, I'm a little lamb in the fold. And sheep have a tendency to wander, and so do little lambs. So my mother was, did not supervise us closely at all. So, I mean, five years old, I went to Garfield Park, and I got hit by a car, you know, with an ice skating, but I came through it because I had a sheepskin helmet, you know, with a chin strap. But anyway, so she gave me a little money and let me go to Loveland's Drugstore to buy a candy bar. And uh, I went to Loveland's Drugstore, and uh, little FC stole his first candy bar. And there was guilt. Shame. The enemy took an opportunity to bring condemnation on me. I never told anybody. And I internalized that, and it stayed with me. Now, here's a good reason for brothers and sisters to confess their sins one to another. <laughs> they don't have to confess to God because he's already been forgiven, you know. So, anyway, I carried that uh, with me. We moved to Davenport, Iowa. And Alex and I, at night, again, we weren't closely supervised, and so we'd go up and down the alleys and tip over garbage cans, and I, one night, took one over my head, it wasn't exciting enough, and I threw it down the alley, and all the lights came on, and we'd run, and uh, we moved out of Davenport after a year, and I never told anybody, and of course, that guilt and all that stuff stays with you, so then I uh, moved back to Grand Rapids, and, uh, and Jimmy and I, my buddy Jimmy and I would go through every anyway. Little F. Of course, when I was in high school, kept my nose pretty clean because I wanted to run. I couldn't do ball sports because my I have a crossed eye and I just couldn't do ball sports. So I had to run. I, I had to settle for running the mile. So that kept my nose clean because drinking and smoking didn't fit with that lifestyle. So uh, then. I graduated from high school, and I didn't have that uh, restriction voluntarily placed on me anymore. And I had watched my dad, who had a wholesale poultry business, 
get up and get to work at 6 o'clock in the morning. And at 12 o'clock, he'd go to lunch. And he'd have two or three Manhattans, two or three martinis. And then he'd come back to his office, and he'd sip on a fifth of Seagram's the rest of the afternoon. And for some reason, I wanted to experience what he was experiencing, that inebriation. So I had another friend named Jimmy who could get booze, got, went to a drive-in theater back then, there were drive-in theaters, and, and got drunk. And, uh, you know, when you're high, Jordan, there's no, there's no condemnation. There's a, all that stuff goes away. So I got addicted to that. And uh, I kept after it because it was an escape. So then I came here to Western Michigan University and uh, didn't know if I was smart enough to graduate. But I told myself if I do all my assignments, read my books, go to the lectures, take the tests, study for the tests, then it won't be my fault if I fail. So of course I got a B average and I made it and graduated from West. Got into I, I was into a uh, a general business degree and uh, my minor my minor was business law, and I also minored in barroom shuffleboard because of my drinking. So I picked a life insurance profession, very difficult profession. And when you go into the life insurance business for one of the big tens, they do a psychological profile on you, and they, they nail it. Well, I kept after my general agent to show me my psychological profile, and he wouldn't do it. So I was like a dog on a bone, and I kept pestering him. He finally showed me, yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> finally showed me my psychological profile, and I figured out right away why he didn't want to show it to me. It said, applicant has good verbal skills. Um, applicant has a high degree of sensitivity. See, it's good to be really sensitive if you have the maturity to go along with it because then you pick on the discernment, the empathy, the sympathy, and it said I would be, a, be able to discern things in a sales interview and I would be a strong closer. So I went out and I sold a million dollars worth of life insurance and I had the appearance of being successful. So uh, I had this drinking issue. Kath and I get married. And I brought all this garbage into our marriage. And <laughs> it amazes me that she stuck with me, see? So anyway, um, all during this time, I, you know, you lose your kid in the mall, you know? What's the first thing a mother does? Well, I, hear, I hear Jesus, he left the 99, he's calling my name. But I, was always, I would always say, no, I want to keep having fun, and I, want, I don't want to lose any of my friends. And so nevertheless, uh, not your will, but mine, you know. So I bring these problems into my marriage, and all of a sudden, Kath, this, uh, I realized that I was failing in three different areas. I was failing physically, occupationally, and especially in the marriage. Uh, I don't know if it was anxiety or what it was, uh, but uh, I was plagued with uh, what I call the Deuteronomy itch. 
eczema. And uh, you can read about it in Deuteronomy, you know. And, and it, would, it would come and go. And uh, when I was delivering chickens, to, I was ashamed to have people see it, you know. So I realized I, I was failing. So one day, Kathy and I are sitting. It's a Saturday, and we're sitting, having a cup of coffee. And she says very nonchalantly, when I was saved, blah, blah, blah. I, hold on, Kath, back up. What? Since you've been what? And she told me, she said, you know, we were at your mom and dad's. And you know how your dad always put your mom down and doesn't care who's around to see it. And your mom just takes it. Now, there's a verse that says it's to a man's glory to overlook an offense. And Kathy saw that, and she saw that as a strength. So the guys were napping after a Sunday meal, you know, and uh, all of a sudden, Kathy and my mother are alone again. And uh, Kathy asked my mother, how do you put up with that man? My sister even said, divorce him, you know. But Kathy says, how do you put up with that man? Kathy's full of mercy, you know. She wanted to strangle him. How do you put up with that man? Uh, where do you get your strength? It's a big question. So how do people know, unless they hear, how do they hear unless they're told, and how are they told unless they're sent? So my mom was sent to my Kathy to give her the good news. And uh, again, my mom had beautiful feet. How beautiful on the mountains are at him. And, and, and just a side note, um, my mom at 80, she lived till she was 99, she was feeling guilty because she wasn't knocking on doors and evangelizing. We were sitting at Russ's restaurant. I had a reminder that she was instrumental in not only saving my sister Cynthia's soul, um, me, uh, my sister Libby, my Kathy, and she even won, won my dad won my dad over. So I says, "Hey, mom, what's the definition of evangelist? Don't you know, don't feel guilty because you're not knocking on doors at age of eight, you know?" So uh, my sister was going to a charismatic church, and uh, Kath says to me, uh, "You know." Uh, Cynthia invited us to her church. You want to go? I said, yeah, why not, you know? So we get in the car, and uh, she says, now I want to give you a fair warning. This isn't like that Calvinist Reformed church that you used to go to. She says, these people are going to dance around, praise the Lord, raise their hands, shout, you know? So, well, I, I was not totally unfamiliar with that because when I was a kid, a couple blocks away from Emmanuel Reform, there were these holy roller black churches. So us kids would sneak in there, and we wanted to see people roll down the aisles, but we never did. But we watched them praise the Lord and raise their hands and shout hell, and they were having a whole lot of fun. In contrast to my church, see, for some reason, my church, everybody would fill out, fill out the back pews first. So everybody would come early, and they'd fill out the back pews first, gradually fill out 
So anybody who was late had us in the front row and walked past everybody else, you know. And, 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 and you didn't talk. You whispered. And I, I think I was telling you, Kimmy, one day that uh, the only thing uh, that you would hear sometimes in all that silence was somebody drop a peppermint in the back row <laughs> and then roll all the way. And people would smile at each other. And so I thought about that, you know, while Kath is telling me about this new church. And she says, I says, well, then the only, the, only, the only thing common that my church has with this other church is we do the peppermint roll. <laughs> so I'm sitting there one day, and somebody gave a testimony. Father's been calling my name louder and louder. I finally threw in the towel and took a chance, and I said, okay, nevertheless, Lord, um, not, uh, not my will, but yours. And I expected lightning flashes and tingles and sonic booms. I guess he didn't do anything. Then I got in my car Monday, drove by down 28th Street, passed it to sell your hmm. Maybe he did do something. That's pretty big. So I bought a case of beer because I used to drink over a case of beer. And uh, I didn't want to be accused of being a teetotaler. So one Saturday, drank a beer, tasted all right. I was on an empty stomach. Second beer, you begin just to start losing your sobriety, and it was repulsive. Holy smokes, Lord. <laughs> you did do something. And he delivered me of so. And so uh, I'm at home one day. And uh, I don't know, the kids were sleeping, Kath was out, it was a Saturday, and I got bored. So I thought, well, I got the novel idea to uh, crack a Bible. So I blew the dust off one of our Bibles, and I, I looked at that baby, and I had a problem because there were five, six hundred pages. <laughs> so I said, Lord, I need a little help here. I said, I'm just going to open it up and, you know, give me something to read. And uh, I opened it up. I started reading. <laughs> and it said he grew up like a tender shoot, Isaiah 53. And he was despised. And he was just whipped and beaten and spit on and crown of thorns. And, but what stuck out to me, what stuck out to me now, I mean, I have such a greater understanding of what he's done because of this grace message and eschatology. It said the Father pleased. It pleased the Father to have Jesus go through this. And that day, here's what I heard. Max, it pleased the Father to have my son go through because of you. He personalized it. He personalized it. He made it personal. He makes it personal. We've all got, we're uniquely the same. And so... I was so excited, so excited that I wanted to pay him back for a gifting. <laughs> you know, how do you pay him back? How do you pay somebody back for a gifting? It takes the joy out of it. Anyway, but uh, so I got into the old covenant, and it says, do this, list as long as your arms. And I, I said, Lord, I can't do that. And he says, well, go through your day and just remember me. Same thing he said at the Last Supper, you know, just remember me. So I'm reading along, and uh, 
I'm reading along, uh, and uh, it said, uh, King David said, I will tell the world about my glorious deeds. And I thought to myself, well, I can do that. So you guys are part of the world, and I have four glorious deeds to tell. Try to, try to keep them short, you know. Uh, the first two glorious deeds were about what Jesus has done for me. The second two are what, what, how Jesus has used me. She doesn't even know what I'm going to say yet. <laughs> Don't be nervous. <laughs> so, um, we used to go to a, uh, well, when Kath and I first got married, oh, i got to back up. It was my habit. I got a uh, read through the Bible in a year. It would take me two or three, you know. <laughs> Couldn't hack that, man, that five chapters a day, you know. So, uh, And I'm reading one day. I got this feeling of anger. Now, if that's weird, I'm reading your Bible, Lord, and I'm angry. Well, I'll keep reading. It'll go away. A couple days later, I'm reading it again. Anger. Third day, I says, Lord, I'm reading your word. Where, where is this anger coming from? And he said, Wilbur Martin. <laughs> so, <laughs> Kathy... When I married Kathy, she was renting from Wilbur. I said, well, I got one. So I said, okay. He says, I got to have a deposit. And I said, oh, he's got two deposits. So uh, he came over. And, of course, this was back in my beer drinking days. And I uh, offered him a beer. And we were on our second strolls. And uh, I said, by the way, Wilbur, you never gave me that deposit back. Oh, you're not getting that back. That place was a filthy mess. Well, I was on my hands and knees mopping floors. And uh, Kathy was scrubbing out the cupboards. And Wilbur and I got into an argument. And um, when my dad, he took pride in not laying a hand on us. But when he, when he was chewing me out, uh, Wilbur made the mistake of thumping my arm, you know. And all that rage that I had about my dad, I gave him a chance. I said he wasn't, so I took it off the print check. And he shows up with his attorney. He used to, he was a mean landlord. Showed up with an attorney. And, uh, so over the years, um, I saw, yeah, God says it came of it. Two weeks later, I'm driving down the highway. 131, approaching fire. Meyer Pharmacy? Hello, Meyer Pharmacy. Anyway, so I'm driving down the street, and there's a news flash. And there's a guy in intensive care. They don't know if he's going to make it or not. And they think what happened to him was he was in one of his apartment units that he rents out, and he got beaten to within an inch of his life by a tenant. Now, tears just, I had trouble seeing compassion for him. And that day, he exchanged, the day I forgave him, I didn't know it, he exchanged, glorious need number two, it's about me again, went to a Christian camp and uh, got some freedom, 
in an issue and told the guy at church, and he says, Max, there's more freedom for you. Come on over and help me finish my deck Saturday, and we'll have a session. And so I went and helped Ed finish his deck, and he says, all right, that's good enough. Come on in, we'll have a session. Mary's sitting on the couch. She's, her, her job was to pray in tongues, and he says, now listen, he says, here's the deal. I don't want you to think about anything. I and uh, and all I want you to do is listen. Report back to me. So he says, "Jesus," just like he's right here. And then I stopped and thought, "Well, yeah, he's supposed to be here." So, <laughs> so I was okay with that. <laughs> so he says, "Jesus, would you bring Max to a place where you would like to give him more freedom?" And, and I, I got this memory, and I chuckled, you know. And, and Ed says, "What was?" It? I said, "Not that important," you know. He says, Max, you remember the rules, don't you? You report everything that goes through your mind. So I'm in my, uh, I'm in the driveway, and my dad's washing the car. And uh, I got a new puppy. My aunt's dog had pups, and about nine years old, eight, nine years old. And I got a can of dog food and an opener. And my intent was to open both ends of the can and squeeze it out for my puppy to eat. Well, as soon as I open one end, that puppy smelled it, you know, and she's and my dad looks over and he thinks I'm teasing. I'm teasing that puppy. And he screamed at me. Because that's the way he handled things. He always says because we've had some dad stories. <laughs> so I wouldn't let him see me cry. And so Ed says, uh, how do it make you feel? And I said, well, I was angry. I didn't do anything wrong. Why is he yelling at me like that? He did it all the time. I don't do anything. And he, you know, he's angry. He says, how else? Well, I felt like second class, like he didn't approve of me, you know. He says, how else? Ah, said again. Jesus, what do you want Max to know about this acceptance thing? And I don't remember it exactly, but it says, I'm going to the bathroom. Came back, I'm still carrying on. Glorious self at age 60. Acceptable to my father. And two years ago, Bishop Jamie is in here. It says, let's all bow our heads and ask people to show, ask God to show us more of his love. And I said, how much more can he show me? But okay, I'll do it. And now all of a sudden I know him as, I couldn't say Abba. I mean, I'm a man, you know. I can't relate to daddy. I can't know. I can't know. <laughs> so, hi, daddy. Um, okay. Glorious deed number three. Kath and I are having coffee again, I think. I don't remember. You know, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. I don't remember exactly. But she says to me that... Uh, we go to this Christian camp, you know, and there were people there that adopted little Koreans. And she says, uh, I got this to a certain age, and I'm done with parenting. So in her wisdom, she said, she said, Lord, you know, if this desire is, oh, yeah, father to the fatherless. So, <clears throat> so a couple of weeks later, uh, Kath and I are, I says, hey, Kath, you know that adoption thing? I says, uh, I don't have any resistance to that anymore. So I sent a didn't fit her, and she had a sad look on her face. 
I looked at her, and she was mine before I even met her. <laughs> so anyway, we get Kaylee. We go to Detroit. She's used to eating rice and kimchi. We took her right to McDonald's and constipated her with greasy French fries. <laughs> Brought her home. She was very brave, got in the car, you know, and had tears in her eyes, and she snuggled up to Catherine. She had had a relationship with her dad, so that took a while. That's a whole different story. But anyway, um, we got her home, and my 11-year-old Matt picked up our yellow Nerf ball, and he bounced it off her head. And her eyes got as big around as they could, you know. And she grabbed that ball, and she fired that ball like she was Ulander. And I thought, holy smokes, I thought we were going to get a Steinmark chopper. We got ourselves an athlete. All we did was we run around to, you know, uh, AAU stuff. She was a garden, and so, so I just got to tell you this one story. Um, you know, we didn't do that to bless an orphan. See, God did it. God brought Kath. But when you when you do His will like that, when He gives you desire, and you act on it. You almost get blessed more than the person you're blessing. So anyway, Kath says, I got to go shopping one night. She says, uh, can you see that Kaylee gets fed and maybe entertain her? I said, yeah. So I says, Kook, got to get something to eat. I says, how about Mexican? She says, yeah. I said, well, Pete's Tavern's got a good, good burrito. Want to go to Pete's? Yeah, go to Pete's. There's a shuffleboard table there. I says, you know, your dad used to be a good barroom shuffleboard player. She said, well, I'd like to. So we played a couple games. Then we went. Then, we, then it was early. And so I said, what else can we do? I said, all I can think of, you know, the Golden Gloves are going on. The state Golden Gloves at the Armory on 44th Street. She said, let's go, she says. She goes in to see how many bouts are left. Yeah. So we go home, and Kath comes in, and she says, what would you guys do tonight? I said, well, first we went to Pete's Tavern, had a burrito, played two games of barroom bar shuffleboard, and then we went to the armory for the state golden gloves. Kath just, <laughs> I thought I was going to get a shopper. And she, she has enriched our lives, I, I think, maybe more than we've enriched hers. Okay. Uh, that's how God used Kathy to bless so this is a glorious deed. I was still playing handball back then, early 70s. And one of my buddies said, did you hear about John? No. He's having this hurt in my heart, you know. I think God speaks to our heart, you know. That's how he speaks to us. And, uh, I had a desire to go talk to this guy. We're going we're gonna to call him John. Yeah. So um, made an appointment with him and uh, said some pleasantries. And I says, uh, John, I, I said, I heard about you and your girlfriend. Who told you? Yes, to know about it. Everybody knows about it. The word's out. He says, yeah. My family's telling me I'm going straight to hell. Now, six, seven years ago, I would have told him the same thing, tell him to straighten up his act. But because of the grace message, God gave me some different words. I don't believe that decision. 
and you are in the pigsty wallowing with the pigs. But I said, you know, Jesus has left the 99, and he's been calling your name, and all he's waiting for you is to turn, and he'll run after you and fall on you and hold you and kiss your neck and say, welcome back, son. You're still a son. I said, you know, you might lose your marriage. You might lose your business. You might lose your reputation. You might lose everything. But I turn and receive your father's love. And I knew those are, I don't remember exactly what I said, but that's the, that's the gist of it. And I knew that God spoke to him because he had big tears in his eyes. So a couple weeks out of Man, I should tell John this, but I don't know if I got the guts. So I said, Lord, what about that? And I felt a peace about going. Speaks to your heart, it's going to happen. And so I said, John, I read about you in the Bible the other day. <laughs> Somebody said that to me to get my attention, right? So he says, I said, yeah, you know, I says, you know, remember that woman, that, that girl, that, that uh, kid that was going down the street? And this woman's husband was gone for business, and she uh, seduced this kid. I said, you were telling me the words that your girlfriend used on you. I said, it's the same. He's a liar, and he speaks all that untruth to you. That's, that's, that's his I said, here's the truth. Respect for you. I knew God was. And so, call him up a couple weeks later. Can't have lunch with you. I'm out with my wife and grandkids. Call him up a couple weeks later. He says, I can't have I was first thinking about this, you know. I had three thoughts come to my mind about you guys and me, you know, about us. And one was how unique we all are. And just just take the motivational giftings. Service, mercy, mercy, you know. We are all different. We're uniquely made. We're all different. No reason for us to compare ourselves to somebody else. And um, we also speak to us. And um, the other thought that I had was that, that new commandment that he gave us. The old commandment was insufficient because it says, and what I've experienced is, if we remember God, you've heard me say, get up in the morning and say, instead of good Lord, it's morning, good morning, Lord. So you remember him. And... I'm in his people, sometimes on a daily basis, right? And he's, he gives us opportunities to bless his kids. And, uh, yeah, I think that might have... God bless America. <laughs> Unless there's comments or whatever. Hey, Max. Don't forget that. Oh. <laughs> Call Wilbur. Hallelujah. Thank you, Max. Awesome stuff. Praise God. God is good, isn't he? Woo! We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I think, you know, sharing your testimony, there's so much in it. I would say in one, it's, in one, it's in part, it's a form of worship because you're testifying, you know, of what God has done for you. And it's sharing good news and it builds people's faith. And um, yeah, man, it's good to hear of the deeds of the Lord, you know.
Hallelujah. The Glory Center would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that it has encouraged and ministered to you. We also would like to invite you to check out our website at glorycenter.org.